0: Talking and I'm not, and I'm just. <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> and then I'm. Match, <laughs> no,
1: <laughs> boy wait, wait! I have something for him. Boom! You get shot down. Now he just fucking. Me, aren't you? <laughs> I'm just wondering why all these people like kids. The Weird History and Eerie Tales Podcast. on dude. dude. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> like FY, there's nothing wrong. With my- Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Weird History Eerie Tales Podcast. In front of me, we have Moses. It is I. And yours truly, Hoswe, aka Josh. Uh, tonight we don't have Renee or Achi. It's, it's gonna be a two-man show today. A two-man duo episode. Uh, just to recap on part one, uh, we give you the introduction of who Carl was, right? German doctor, and his 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 what? His foretelling of his future wife? Premonition, premonition, whatever you want to call it. Uh-huh. And we left off on the Lena dying. Uh they bury her and he wanted to do more. Right? He wanted to preserve the body. As that was her wish. Her last wish was like, Hey, although you can't love me uh when I'm alive, but when I'm dead, will you take care of my body? That was some fucked up shit for her to say. Yeah, especially someone someone was madly in love with her, right? And he literally took that promise as a wedding vow, which goes Beyond the meaning of love after death. So we left off on him saying he's going to build a mausoleum to protect and preserve her corpse.
0: And as always, um, uh, the source for this whole series, my my source for this whole series is Ben Harrison's Undying Love. The true story of a passion that defied death. And then my brother has another book for his source, which is called The Lost Diary of Count Von Kozo. Um, it's by David L. Slo- the introduction is by David L. Sloan, and it's literally Carl's diary. Man. Yeah, his version, his, his words, word- his version of the whole story. Mm-hmm. So last week, where we left off, Elena had just died, dead. She Completely just died. Dead. He built the thing. Remember, he had tarps over her, over her, uh, over her gravestone, and he's like, "This is not good enough because I need to protect her body." So he's like, "I need to build a mausoleum, a grand crypt for my Elena." And remember, at this point, he moved in with the Hoyo's family. Remember, he was living with them. He did. He He was living with them. Like like, a boss. He was like, look, I'm moving in, and I'm staying. His family's like, fuck, all right, I guess you're staying. And that's what we're going to pick off. That's what we're going to pick up with part two of a Carl Tanzler series. Mm. So ever since moving in and sleeping in Elena's room, Carl was able to rest more peacefully than he had for some time. Because remember, he was having these... Ridiculous as nightmares. Remember the nightmare he had of uh, where he rescued Elena,
1: lifted her from the dirt with thirty-seven dead bodies, and yeah, which which he stated in in his version that those nightmares was nature or or uh, a higher fucking being telling him that hey, she's gonna die soon, and that's what he he took knowledge. But he, he went out of his way to try more and more to to help her out. But like we know, the family ignorance fuck didn't listen to him and there she is dead
0: so during the day he still worked at the hospital and the rest of his time was spent designing and constructing elena's new home but because carl was planning to build a large crypt over the plot where elena was currently buried he had to get a permit to remove her body and with the family and the state of florida's permission he did just that and elena's body was moved to a second funeral home in the meanwhile But while this was going on and the body was being moved, Carl went forward with not one, but two secret tasks that he felt he needed to accomplish for Elena. He felt he needed to do two things for her. Yeah. The first was constructing the crypt and making it as perfect as he possibly could. And the second, and this is where it gets really complicated and weird, he secretly had to re-bed her body, just in case there was any water damage. And to re-bed a, a, a dead body means, you know, when someone dies, they have to go over it. They make sure every, they sew everything up. They put the makeup on. Yeah, the embalming all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, so uh-huh. he, needed, uh-huh. he needed to do that again just to make sure there was no water damage to her. At least that's what he was telling himself. But it's pretty easy to see that he just wanted to see his beloved
1: Elena just one more time. And do you blame the guy? Do you blame him? She's dead, bro. I got it too. Yeah, yeah. She's dead. She's dead. Like, get over it, bro.
0: Yeah. So the construction of Lena's new home took about three months. One for the actual building of the crypt, mm-hmm. another to let the cement set in, and the last to finish the inside of the crypt. The rebedding of Lena was extremely weird and basically unheard of. No one is like no one's gonna Yeah, she's dead. Yeah, leave, like, leave her the <laughs> fuck alone. So Carl knew What he was doing was fucked up. No one was going to understand. So what he had to do, he had to do it in the dead of night. Mm -hmm. It was even more of a, how was he able to get away with this? When he was sleeping in the fucking family home. He was sleeping. Did they not notice
1: him leaving at fucking one in the morning? But let's be honest. They gave no shits about him. His mother did later on. But for the most part, they know shits about him. But they were never curious. Why, why would he was you question le- the doctor? Why, would he de- why he was
0: leaving in the middle of the night? Like, they couldn't hear him, but, you know, whatever. Whatever. He ended up leaving in the middle of the dead of night. So in the dead of night, under artificial lights,
1: Carl rendezvoused with his Elena. Hmm. This determined revealed that rain had indeed soaked the coffin and that moreover it had been partially crushed. It was with this dire anticipation that I know that I now approached the urgent task of taking Elena out of the damaged coffin. The mortician and I arranged it so that there were there would be no other dead bodies in the morgue at the time of Elena's re-bedding. In preparation, I had bought all that I could possibly be needed: new sheets, new pillows, cotton, chemicals, and sprays. So,
0: after all the sanitary precautions, Carl went ahead and opened. And opened the seals of the vault. The opening of the lid gave them some trouble as the lint, as the lining inside, had become attached to Elena's face and body. So while they were trying to open the coffin, the the, the linen, the lining that was inside of the coffin, since uh-huh. uh, what ended up happening was they put too much dirt on Elena's coffin, so the dirt kind of sh- broke the coffin in, mm-hmm. and part of the car- part of the coffin that broke hit her face. So the, cu- the, the, the linen that was inside got stuck to her face and as she was rotting, the thing kind of like molded together, kind of yeah. glued together. Okay, glued so while they were trying to lift it up, they noticed, he noticed that like, oh shit, we're, 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 we're ripping Elena's face. Mm. So he had the magician hold the coffin lid while he like carefully cut and then just make sure that Elena's body was you know taken care of. So the first step he took was spraying diluted formula all over her body, almost drenching the body to disinfect the body and to harden the body tissues before they went ahead and tried detaching from the skin the drapery, which had become glued to Elena. So the drapery was kind of glued to most of Elena's body. Yeah. So decay started to quickly set in, and it was only the greatest care that Carl was able to peel the pieces of wood and linen from Elena's body. Finally, after a few hours, they were able to lift the body out of the coffin and lay it on the table on a clean sheet, having sprayed the body all over again, Carl started to sponge her face with a prepared solution and also her hands and feet. While he was sponging the body, Carl started to realize that there needed to be a lot more cleaning than done, more cleaning that could be done in a single night. So till dawn, Carl spent every last ounce of energy not only cleaning Elena, but also cleaning the coffin as the mortician failed to embalm the coffin, which
1: smelled like a rotten corpse. That's how extra Carl went and w- to keep that promise to her.
0: And like one of the th- yeah, and like like one of the things I was reading as we as we're gonna get
1: he never complained about the smell. No. He never no. It was- even in his diary or in this he's like, Yeah, it's just the overpowered smell. But it was especially someone who's in science, they'll go to great detail of how fucked no, nah, he was oh, it was just the overpowered strong, yeah, strong order. Yeah, it's a strong order. It's fucked up. Shit. I'm thinking what what the mortician was thinking when well, all this was happening. Well, the mortician was scared shitless. Yeah, like I'm pretty sure this is the first time
0: ever. Yeah, and, and to the, revisit a body. It is. And the mortician's he's um he's like you know uh, he's like a man of faith. You know what I mean? Like he's like we're not supposed to be doing this. And Carl's like man, shut the fuck up. Here's some money. And he like slipped some money. And like he slipped. He, he gave him money. the
1: shut the fuck up money. He
0: gave him the money. He's like, hey, I need you know I need to arrange this shit. And the, and the dude's like, all right, fuck it, let's do it, but we got to hurry up, we got to hurry up. And that's why he didn't embalm the fucking, I don't know how you're going to embalm a coffin, but like he didn't clean the coffin, right? or the, Yeah. The dude's like, yeah, this is way too weird, and he just fucked off. But fucking Carl was too busy trying to clean um, keeping up with Delena's body, that he didn't realize that the mortician had just completely taken off.
1: When morning came, my sweet bride was free from all outward signs of decay and from that foul odor. When the mortician came to work, we placed her on thick layers of cotton, and after I sprayed her form all over with cologne, we now covered it all around with similar layers of sterile cotton. This done, we lifted her into her new coffin, and then the coffin into the new metal outer coffin I had selected. This one I sealed all around with screws. With casket was of the airtight type, type held together by a hundred screws.
0: So Carl's like, look, I'll make sure nothing happens to Elena's body. Not only am I going to put her in a new coffin, I'm going to put that coffin inside a metal coffin. And the thing was, like, he put it inside the metal coffin, and there was a hundred locks all around the edges, so no <laughs> one's going to be able to break in. Yeah. Only he had the keep. All key, those screws. Yep. Yeah. Scarl so then told the that he was going to need another night with Elena. This time, alone in the embalming room. Hmm.
1: True love? Or no. weird? Weird. Mainly weird. A few nights thereafter, I took Elena out of the inner coffin and placed her into my specially made incubated tank. After this had been completely sealed, a task which took until midnight, I poured into the top valve of the tank a certain solution... Which I prepared for her, both antiseptic and nourishing for body cells. The tank was then placed into the casket. Now I felt easier as Elena was protected against further decay. So one of the things that I was,
0: you know, as reading, he talks about giving the body nutrients, giving the body vitamins, and then I'm, and then which is weird, yeah. You're like
1: because when it's. When the body's dead, there's no longer. Which, that process of. It wasn't until later on, I'm all like, that I the, the, that it kind
0: of dawned on me. I'm like, is this guy trying to revive her? Hmm. But, you know. So finally, Elena's mausoleum was finished. And it looked more like a pleasant summer home than a burial place. Passersby would often joke that they would like to move in and make it their home. So people would walk by like, yeah, damn, that's just fucking nice. I'm just gonna move in there. And Carl would be like, man, fuck you. <laughs> so across the door in the top, inscribed in the rectangle marble headstone embedded in the cement wall next to the entrance was Elena Milagro Hoyos. Born July 21st, 1909. Died October 25th, 1931. Rest in peace. CT period D period Cozo. Now, if you want to see this picture, you can go to our Instagram. Weird history. Here he tells Pod where I actually used this picture as the picture for a uh, video that I posted on our on our Instagram. But about that last line. So the most interesting part of this headstone was the last line, the C T D Kozel, because for one, that's not a signature. You'd, you'd assume maybe he maybe that would have been a signature saying it was, I I did the plaque, but that has nothing to do with his name. Mm-hmm. Ct. So yeah, all right. So what the fuck does that C, Ct. c-t dot d. Dot Kozo mean? Mm-hmm. Well, there's literally no explanation in his memoirs as to why he placed that there, but it's possible that this is his weird way of telling the world that Elena was now his wife. Ct. Sometimes is short for count, in Elena's case countess. D. Damsel, and see, Kozo. So maybe he put Elena Milagro Hoyos, the Countess Damsel Kozo. <laughs> oh boy. This could have been his attempt to give Elena his last name because he sure as shit wasn't burying her with, the, with her married name. So for a year and a half, 18 months, Carl came to the tomb and sat inside near the coffin every day every day for 18 months every day for
1: i don't do, do that to
0: the love of <coughs> people i love in real life i don't do that to my house <laughs> i don't, I don't, I don't <laughs> keep a straight home for it
1: the moist heat was in the room and the reason why i fell asleep suddenly as if a cannon had been fired close to my ear I awakened thinking that for a moment perhaps some kid had fired a toy pistol to frighten me. But then I noticed the 50 locked which held the metal casket closed had sprung open. I examined them closely and it was perfectly clear that they had been sprung open with great force. This must have been the loud noise that awakened me. Standing in the darkness, I smiled. I remember how fond Elena always had been of the fun of a practical joke. Perhaps she thought this was funny to her, to jolt her groom in this manner who had dared to fall asleep in her presence. Now I could clearly hear a tapping or crackling sound inside, very distant, like nails of delicate fingers, probing and scratching a metal surface. I quickly got the keys out of my pocket and quickly opened the heavy lid. The moonlight revealed that the inner coffin was still intact and sealed. I bent my ear to the inner coffin and listened intently. There was no sound, and I removed its lid altogether.
0: I was like, yo, what the fuck? How he's hearing tapping from the fucking... So it wasn't long before Carl started striking up conversations with Elena in her crypt. He came to see her every night, and after a while, he placed his ear against an open valve And after a minute or so, heard her voice Mm -hmm. very softly. And from that day forward, he was sure that Elena was there with him. He brought her flowers every night and other presents too, leaving her greeting cards as well. God bless you, darling.
1: I am so happy to be with you.
0: So at this point, Carl felt that he was actually talking to Elena's spirit and that she began speaking
1: back to him. A curious fact was that Elena's spirit showed all the curiosity of a young girl. Sometimes I carried things from hardware stores which I needed for my plane. And Elena would then ask me, what is in the paper bag? In your right coat pocket? Oh darling, those are screws and little brass nails I need for our plane. Often she was not satisfied with the explanation unless I spread the screws and nails or whatever it was on top of the coffin for her to see. Yo, what the
0: fuck? Full-blown conversations. And she's answering back to him. So, anyone docu- Remember, this was in the dead of night. This was like at fucking 1, like 12, 1 in the morning. So anyone walking down the street by the cemetery would 100% have ran to wherever the fuck they were going if they, were ha- if they happened to fucking hear Carl talking to somebody else. So imagine in the dead of night hearing the laughter and talk echoing off the cement walls
1: inside a large tomb. As much as I want to defend Carl. There's only so much. Uh reading the intro and learning about Carl and his his foretelling and all this stuff. I'm like, okay, cool, I'm I'm rooting for him. This is where it's just you kind of feel pity. It's like I want to believe. They're interacting, they're talking. But it's like, dude, it got to the point where I'm like, all right, this guy has to be delusional. Dude, she's been there for two years. Yeah, yeah. But she insisted on all the amenities of polite conversation. I never failed to greet her and say goodbye in the ceremonious Spanish manner. Ceremonious? Ceremonious. Ceremonious, okay. She insisted of all the amenities of polite conversation one christmas afternoon i had come earlier than my usual hour in order to take a photograph of the tomb later when it had when it had become dark and i was sitting inside all of a sudden i felt hands all over my face and head i could not see anything but the touch was familiar one of elena's that night at home i developed the picture i had taken i had taken thousands of pictures with this self-sync camera and it had never felt But this picture showed a white shape resembling a human figure as if an outline in a bright white light standing at the entrance of the tomb. Um, Supposedly this picture is out there. I I haven't seen it. I haven't seen
0: it. I haven't seen it, but it's... It's, for, for For someone who was doing shit he was supposed to be doing, Carl apparently took a lot of fucking pictures. So this little incident got the best of Carl so much so that he had changed his visiting hours and moved them further into the night. The cemetery was brightly lit by the full moon when Carl saw standing at the entrance of the tomb a veiled white figure. As he got closer, she disappeared to the crypt's locked door. As he made himself inside, the pleasing smell which came from Elena's tomb filled the room, stronger than it had ever been. Carl held his hand over the valve, and according to him and his writings in his memoirs, that smell that night stuck with him for days, never waning, no matter how much he washed his hands. So that smell was that smell he talked about when he would smell her hair, smell like perfume, and that's what the thats what the whole crib smelled like.
1: And according to him, that smell did not wash away from him for days. Not only that, uh, chime in on um, on that smell. Like he would open that valve just to smell, and he'd like he he described it, it smells like. A beautiful lady, in a hot summer day, with cologne, and he'll go home. And he said he'll he'll have the best sleep of his life. Because he's because so like, he that's it. Remind me of right. Reminding him of of Elena, which is crazy and weird and sad. And
0: so, as the week went by, so did the full moon, and the nights became darker fast. Eventually, leading to a narrow sickle of the moon that was left.
1: Ever since the moon began to wane, Elena had begun to sing in her casket with a very soft, clear voice which became a little stronger from night to night. It was always the same old Spanish song about a lover who opens the grave of his dead bride. I could distinctly hear and understand every word. Then during one stormy
0: night, the rumble of distant thunder was a fitting note for what happened next which was a full-blown conversation between Elena, full-blown, and Carl. So during this one night, it's fucking setting the scene, it's raining hard, there's thunder all over the place, but for whatever reason, Carl is still able to hear Elena's like soft little, soft little voice. And he's just in there, just hanging out when Elena suddenly just goes, do you love me, Carlos? And from Carl just running to the casket, he puts his mouth to the valve because mm-hmm. obviously she, he can't see her and she can't see him. So he just goes and puts his mouth straight to the valve after she asks Carl if, if he loves her.
1: Elena, why would you say such a thing? You do still love me, don't you, Carlos? Of course I love you. Why would I visit you night after night? Tell me then. Am I really dead? No, Elena, you are not dead. Your body is asleep. Your spirit's dreaming. Carlos, then where do I live? You live in the little house I built for you. I built it to protect you. I wanted you to be safe. Is this your house too? No, Elena. I come here to visit you. Carlos, listen to me. I want to go home with you. I want
0: to be with you.
1: Yeah, that's when shit hits the fan. Oh boy. Yo, how the fuck is this, this this
0: conversation, if it's either the scariest shit or the most craziest or shit. Or the most peaceful
1: shit. Peaceful? Yeah. If if he's at state in that state of mind where it's like he could talk to his loved one again, like how like he, he forgot all that. Crazy bullshit oh, going happen- to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He probably felt at peace. Oh, I could talk to my beloved one.
0: I'm talking from the outside looking in.
1: Like, well, yeah, it's
0: crazy as fuck. This is this. <laughs> this is either he's actually talking to a dead person, or he's gone out of his. He's going out of his mind that he thinks he's talking to a dead person. Hmm. So, for the first time, so far, Carl started thinking clearly. Huh. and was literally trying to explain to Elena how it was going to be impossible, trying to tell her he has no place to put her that is close enough where he won't get caught. But Elena
1: had a plan for the pussy Carl, Not pussy ass Carl dude. And this is what she said. Go out in front of the tomb and I will show you how this can be done, When well, the moon changes You bring along a very large blanket. You hang that blanket over the rail of the fence. Then nobody can see you from the street or from the houses. The woman, my neighbor in the grave, she will be glad to help you. Like, yo, what the fuck? She has ghosts helping him out. But
0: this is the fucked up part. This is the part that's like, it's all fucked up. (laughs) Well, yeah, but like it's. Yeah. These are his own words. They what what you just read is what he put down. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So either Elena really spoke to him about how he could get away with stealing her from the crypt or he knew what he did was so fucked up that he's trying to play coy and he's and he's trying to play up the fact that the spirit quote, quote, unquote, quote. is yeah. giving him the idea, which is still fucked up. But Carl, still unsure of the plan, did what any real man of science would have done in his shoes. So he did a fucking trial run. So he's like, all right, I'm going to just practice how I'm going to do it. So he ended up just grabbing like a little bag. He's like, all right, it's just something for me. that Where, where am I going to move to? Someone comes. We're going to hide. Hide behind this. Hide behind that. He, you know, just doing, you know, doing a little trial run in the fucking
1: cemetery. But how he's gonna desecrate Atlanta's tomb? And to give you the picture of where this, uh, fucking tomb is, at, dude, it's Death Center. It is Death Center, and that whole cemetery is surrounded by streets and houses. So that's why uh, Atlanta was like, "Hey, bring this blanket because it'll be like a little uh, area where you can block off any, uh, any." viewers so after a successful trial run of the whole thing
0: he felt sure enough of himself to risk his life risk everything and facing any danger which would cross his path that night this was it all or never because this needed to be done if he was to take proper care of her so the night of he double checked everything before taking his wagon blanket blanket cushions, and rope down the stairs of the mausoleum. He then loaded his darling bride onto the little wagon he had bought. The blanket with the crucifix on top was tied around the casket with rope, and the macabre journey had begun.
1: A wonderful feeling took complete possession of my entire being as though a second spirit had entered my soul. It seemed that a bodyguard of veiled angels had formed on both sides and were coming along with us and a great inspiration filled me then. I felt protected, secure. No matter what was coming against us now, there was no place for the living here on this blackest of nights. All of the cemetery was alive with souls which came out of the graves from all sides, moving and thronging all around us. It was indeed like a festival among the departed, as they moved up on all sides. It was like a great divine wedding march for me, taking place. They were everywhere, none blocking our way, but all of them melting out of our way. It seemed as if they had never seen such a celebration in this cemetery before. It was at It was as if all were delighted and desired to help us. The little cart, for all its weight, seemed almost to run by itself. It responded to the slightest touch of my hand, which gave me the impression of being aided on by friendly hands out of the ground.
0: So... Everyone was, all those dead people were happy for Carl, according to Carl. That part was like, that. Im- as crazy as it is, that's a kind of cool ass image. Where like he's like, the cart, it was supposed to be heavy, but I couldn't feel it because all the ghosts were helping us push it and the ghosts were sticking their hands out and pulling us. Yeah. Like. No one was blocking our way. They were dancing, thronging around. They would just disappear. That seems like a cool-ass visual for, like, this gothic story, which is this pretty much could be a real gothic, like... Horror love. Yeah, like, love story. So Carl was dreaming, and his spirit was flying until shit hit the fan. He struggled to get the coffin over the cemetery fence. You know, considering he's a fucking thousand years old. He's an old man. So the ground collapsed under him and the whole load fell on top of him. But he summoned all the strength and with divine help, he was able to lift the casket over the fence. But what he didn't realize was was that something was dripping on him. Something so fucking foul that literally the neighborhood dog started barking. Finally, he was able to get the casket To the shed that he had rented. He closed the leaky casket valve. And pulled off all his clothes. It was all the leftover. Corpse gunk. That Mm. fell on him. Mm. And since there was no. Running water in in the shed. He had to wash himself. And his clothes. With a bottle of whiskey. He found on a shelf. So he let Elena rest. The next day. But the day after, he took Elena from the halfway house and loaded her into a large sedan.
1: Undisturbed, I had now moved my beloved into the cabin of the plane. She now had taken full possession of it.
0: So of all things you can say about Carl, reliable should be at the very top. I was next to Pervert and corpse fucker. After all, he did keep his promise to Elena.
1: My Elena, her wish had finally been fulfilled. She was now with me and as Easter was close at hand, I made everything nice and cozy in her cabin. So the only time it was safe for
0: Carl to work on Elena was in the dead of night. He readied this machine that was used in World War I to treat infected wounds by irrigating them with antiseptics. So after snapping the latch of the door lock and locking himself in, Key removed the final screws and lifted the cover of Elena's coffin.
1: My poor darling, how have you been neglected? May God forgive me if I cannot come to your aid in time to save you. Your beautiful eyes broke and sank without anyone coming to bring you help. Your beautiful dress, it had decayed and now mars your beauty. My varied soul was tortured when I saw her awful conditions. She was my beloved bride. My promise to take care of her was a sacred one. With the greatest care, I detached the uppermost layers of her clothing which were overgrown and eaten up with slimy mold, depositing rags into a large bucket until it was filled. Carefully peeling pieces around her head, face, and chest, first I found many pieces had begun starting to come glued to her skin. The bucket was filled to the rim, and it was full and heavy, and I had to empty it as the odor was overpowering.
0: So he was cleaned up like that. Remember, this was 18 months <clears throat> that he had. The first time he remember he she died, and he bed her maybe between, maybe the first. A little bit.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Well, he cleaned her like the first four months after she had died. Yeah. And then, well, and then he built the crypt, the big mausoleum for her. And then he, she stayed in the mausoleum for 18 months, a year and a half. And he didn't do anything to her. And then this is the first time he'd seen her since the last time he cleaned her, which was almost two years. So her face had sunken in her her skin was just like deteriorating. She was decaying like crazy. And Like that buck that the way he was describing the bucket. And like the funny thing was that like as he was like feeling like he, he was on the plane. And he had locked the plane. So, well, what he had to do is he would lock the plane, he would go up into the plane, filled, do everything. He was cleaning up the land, putting the rags. And I could just picture, remember when we were stretching our ears and that s- gunky smell of your ear? Imagine that times a million. I was like, yeah,
1: that's nowhere near the smell right. of a fucking dead corpse.
0: But imagine that <laughs> disgusting, like, cheese. And then, mm. dig cheese. And the thing, what he would do is. He would have to grab that bucket. The bucket was heavy, especially for him. He would run out of the plane, unlock the door, run 200 feet into the beach, throw the bucket
1: into the water, swim back, go in the plane, lock the door, and do it over again. I'm surprised no one in the hospital questioned his his plane name. Like, well, I mean, because he told them, like, oh, I'm going to buy a plane because I'm going to fix it.
0: And they're like, All right. So
1: to gave him the green light. Hey, down the back and fucking... That's literally what happened. <laughs> That's literally what happened. All right. Well, fuck. So every time he would open the door of the
0: airship and the fresh salt air slapped him in the face, mm. that gave Carl a much needed boost. He would run into the ocean about 200 feet, carrying the nauseating bucket and dumping the organic branch into the ocean. And he did this throughout the night. Little by little, the rags of clothing that were stuck to her body were loosening after he prepared the soap specifically for this. So again and again, he would wash it on his body, tilting it from one side to another, with the bucket always filling up at the worst possible times. Mm. So like this, like this, like they're describing it where he's like, where he's like, all right, I can't keep, this, I can't keep this in here because if I keep the bucket too long in here, it's gonna smell. The smell's gonna stay in the plane. So he's like, all right, I need to take it out, and he's about to go downstairs. He, he hears voices, people walking on the beach. He's like, oh fuck. And there's another time where he's like out into the water and he's running back. And someone's like, oh, hey, Carl, what's up? It's like two in the morning and he has a bucket and he's like, oh, Uh, yeah, like uh, Pikachu mean face. Uh. So he rinsed her body and the inside of her coffin thoroughly, disinfecting it to remove the last traces of water left behind by the decaying process. After he dried her entire body, he drained the coffin and sponged it thoroughly. With examining her body and studying, and studying Elena's condition, Carl could find no time to rest. He finally looked at the deep, sunken cavities of her eyes. He saw her dried-up lips and slightly parted them to see the white of her teeth. The eyes bothered him most. After all, they were the windows into her soul, so Carl had to find a way to replace them. So Carl he had access to catalogs and was familiar with medical supply salesmen. Because of his job at the hospital. Carl knew what he had to do. He had to buy a couple of eyes. Hmm. But how could he buy them without arousing suspicion? It's not like he just could walk up to any medical salesman and be like, can I have two brown eyes, please? And he also knew that not anyone would suspect that he had taken a woman who had been dead for two years at this point to live with him. So he's like, his, so, he, so he's like, all right, I just can't go up to someone, but hey, can I get two eyes? But then he's like, why can't I work at the hospital? It's not like they know it's for this lady that it's, it's, not, it's, it's not for Elena. So he's having like this internal conflict. Yeah. <clears throat> so no one knows how he actually got the eyes. No one really knows how they got it. But, people but just, he got them. Pe- yeah, people just assume that he was just like, all right. What he ended up doing was he got the left eye from one catalog, the right eye from another catalog. And just sent him to the hospital with just uh, a slip saying, attention, Dr. she so Just like, oh, something came in from the catalog. And, All right, it's, it's for It's a fucking eye. It's for Carl, so just give it to Carl. Hmm. So, despite the rot that had sunken in, the major deformation of Lena's face due to decomposition, as well as the order, Lena's body remained sacred to Carl. So, no she was gunky. She was melting Her eyes were sunken in. She was losing hair. She smelled like dick cheese. But to Carl, she was God. She was heaven. She was his fucking everything. You
1: pass by all that and um, saw her as her goddess. My angel was pure, despite the mud and slimy rags in which she had been laying for so many months. And then I heard a soft voice speak into my ear. Now you will love me no more, will you? These words cut into my heart like an arrow. They set me on fire with sacred love for her. I assured her, darling, I love you more than ever before. If it were not so, I would not have taken you to me. Kissing her dry lips and breathing deeply into her lungs until her bosom rose, I unpacked her bridal gown and covered her whole body with it. I draped her with a silk veil and adorned her head and hair with a golden crown. She looked so wonderful. Now I could not resist the wondrous spell and trembling with love. I sank gently into the coffin with her and kissed her. As if she were alive. Long I lay. Holding her closely to me. The living and the dead united in love. The sweetness of this was divine. Never had I dreamt that she would preserve so sweet and intense. a love for me. After being in the grave for so long. Was it possible? I could hardly grasp or believe it. But here, as undeniable evidence, life and death united together, eye to eye, long and silent we lay. We needed no words. Words cannot express the heavenly bliss that we were experiencing. We were two kindred spirits flowing together. It was sweet and lovely beyond human words or understanding. God bless her soul body. Outside, the night passed into dawn, and still I held her head and body. It was hard to tear myself from this wonderful, heavenly spell. At last, I raised myself and laid her on the cushions, promising to come back by night. Then, covering her up and lowering the lid carefully, I went home.
0: Carl beat dead cheeks. He beat him. This is the first time he's had sex with his Elena, and he dis- the way he described it, I'm sure is not the way it sounded or smelled. Mm-mm, mm-mm.
1: Bad times, bad
0: times. He beat them cheeks back into the grave. <laughs> he stayed the back whole, to the grave, bro. Back, he stayed, the whole night he spent with her, and this is the first time he had sex with Elena. It sounds romantic until you you're like, Oh, you know, it's being super romantic. You're like, Oh, yeah, yeah, you wanna clap and you're like, No,
1: she's been dead for like two years, bro. It sounds cool, like level, oh my gosh, but then you see through the subtext, you're like, This dude fucked a dead chick. But maybe not as important as beating expired cheek. K- expired as
0: fuck, dude. Carl had now taken his love for Elena to new disgusting heights. Mm-hmm. Carl will now be fixated on Elena. He will have only time for Elena. Elena now comes before everything. His only thoughts were of Elena. Slowly and painstakingly, he he attended to her. Nothing disgusted or repelled him in his efforts to keep Elena intact. Her hair needed plenty of washing, and while he noticed that her hair was still partly glued to her scalp, small maggots and then small larvae were feeding on the blood around her head and ears, and on the surface of her abdomen. He treated the wounds with lotions and sterile packing. He also bandaged up her toes, feet, and fingers as they were starting to disintegrate. He began making more cosmetic improvements that would lead to a remarkable transformation. First, he put splints on Elena's nose that were kept in place with bandages. They remained there for one month, after which her nose looked as beautiful as when she was alive. And according to Carl, next, he straightened out her arms, which had been folded across her body in the coffin. He used this Frankenstein method and involved ropes and pulleys that slowly settled her arms to her side, without breaking or tearing the skin. But it was this final touch that would make Carl immortal and have him live in infamy was his ability to make death masks. And wanting to make a cast of her so he would have a permanent record of her face, he made several in hopes that one would be absolutely perfect. Creating the masks, he discovered that the fine oiled silk which he had used to cover and protect Elena had fastened tightly to her skin. So slowly Elena was becoming a mummy, but Carl, his beloved bride, was returning to life. Oh, fuck. Elena's day-to-day living with Carl became a pattern of morbid regularity. Weeks and months passed, and the same routine of fitting instant vitamins to her body daily eventually made her living expression return. But just because Carl's world now revolved around Elena... That didn't mean the world outside of their forbidden love stopped. Changes at the Marine Hospital were about to fuck up everything Carl had going for him. The commander of the hospital was replaced when he died by a younger doctor, and refused to allow Carl Carl to have his plane parked on government property. <laughs> He's like, I'm the new boss here. You got to get your shit, get the fuck out of here. He said, like, "What the fuck
1: is that?" He's like, Dude, "This is a hospital." What's doing in the fucking hospital?
0: It's a hospital. Also, now that Lena was living with him, Carl realized there was no need to live with her parents. Nope. Who were?
1: Let's should be told. they were probably glad to see him to to, to see him leave. Kinda, kinda. He I'm was pretty- still mad of money, so he still provided some. True. Yeah, because her family's poor. Carl then hired a truck
0: to pull the airplane and asked Mario and that sister's husband if he would help. She's all right. I gotta get the hus- I gotta get my plane out of this fucking hospital. So once they tied the plane to the truck, they started their little ghetto parade. Grown ups came out of their homes and the children ran along the was plane with Mario waving to people. Mario was inside the cockpit no more than three feet from Elena the whole time. Little did he know, huh? With Elena resting carefully and comfortably, they proceeded until they reached the home of Elena's parents. When they reached White Street, they turned right, traveling about half a mile south until the road reached the shore. Several hundred feet to the east of the dead end was Carl's and Elena's new home. Right around this time, one of Carl's daughters had suddenly died. The death of Crystal saddened her mother and sister like you have no idea. They were hoping Carl, ex-husband and father, was surely going to come for the burial of the child he had fathered during the during the family's happier times in Germany. Looking for, for, looking for some sort of support from her late husband, Doris wrote to Carl and told him of the tragedy. Carl was so consumed with taking care of Lena that he ignored the, emotion, the emotional pleas of his ex wife. Carl didn't go to his daughter Crystal's funeral, nor did he send any money. All that he had was for Elena and Elena only. He needed every dollar available to build Elena's castle on the sand where he could take care of her in peace. So Elena and the Count spent two years here on the beach, and they were Carl's happiest of his life. Carl was not afraid of working, and now that they had moved to the beach, there was a lot of work that needed to be done in order to build Elena her perfect castle. His job at the hospital was just as demanding as ever, so the construction work he, he was doing was being done in his off time. There was a long concrete pier reaching to the water on the land side, where there were still a few broken cement walls standing, which he intended to use in the construction of his hangar, building, and laboratory. But first he needed to level the ground, after which he rolled the plane into the ruins. Then he began to build with rock, cement, beach, sand, and, and seawater a square of walls, with a large opening for the plane to get out of the building and onto the white cement runway slip. So Carl was building this like homeless shack in the beach, Using everything he could to build the laboratory. He just needed walls so he could have his laboratory in there. His incubation tank so he could take Elena out of the coffin and put her in the tank. Mm -hmm. Where she could get vitamins. He needed needed somewhere to hide the plane. So he was making, like, he's like, it's like this hobo, he's building like. It's like uh, Seven Days to Die. Not even, because he used wood. (laughs) He's using like seawater and shells and. But whatever. But during this time, there was still metabolism in his body. As the chemical reactions indicated, and this would require more of his attention. Every time Carl went ahead and opened the casket, there was a surprise waiting for him. Especially when she was sealed up for long periods of time. But once he completed the house, he was able to have Elena out for longer periods of time. So, there's that little thing where he was talking about where I just mentioned where every time he opened the every every time he opened the casket, there was a surprise for him. Something was always going wrong with her. I wondered why she was decaying, right? (laughs) Yeah, and he was on the beach, salt water. Mm. So like something was always going wrong. Like there was like he like one day he like today he'd open the casket like like her front hair was like falling off. Oh, she let me fix it, and then like he put her back in the next day. Her finger might have bent weird, so like it's bent. So he was always fixing her. He was always fixing her, always dealing with the smell, always dealing with the touching, the, glump, the the gooey glumps,
1: the clump, like, just like, just dealing with decay. Now, let me ask you this. We know right before she died, she told him, would you still take care of my body after I'm dead? I don't think that's what's meant. You think that's what she
0: meant? No, nah, I thought she meant like, please don't let them throw me in the fucking river. <laughs> I, th- I, th- I th- that's what she meant. Please make sure that I'm in a coffin. Please, like, don't let my fucking f- dad and mom sell me to the to the to the to the and shit. Like, like, don't let them just let me sit and die out here.
1: Okay, okay,
0: carry on. If not, she was. Now that she was even crazier than he was, because at least he and his his, his bullshit was. Vindicated or was okay because of the premonition he had, which is why he was doing it. Yeah. If, if, if she was just asking him, "Hey, when I die, can you take care of me? Like, make sure like my body doesn't decay?" this bitch is crazier than
1: you know right. that you know that she was leading on. So imagine if she'd never said that. I don't think he would have gone. He would no. gone to that extent. No, right? No, because no, he did it because he, he literally took that. He literally took that a word, saying. Yeah, literally. He took, literally he, he
0: took that saying like literally. And one thing that was interesting to me was how Carl never blamed God for Elena and her tuberculosis. He was never angry with God's decision with God's decision to take his beloved from him. Carl, throughout these two episodes, he always seemed kind of cheerful. Always cheerful. He accepted whatever the universe threw at him when it came to Elena, and it felt to me that he felt what he was doing was being done with God's blessing. As if this was God's plan all along. And it appeared so because Carl thought that God was rewarding him for what he was doing. So unfortunately for Carl and Elena, their stay in paradise was about to end. In 1936, workers from the WPA which is the Works Projects Administration, came to the beach and fucked everything up for Carl. President Roosevelt, in an effort to get the economy out of the depression, he signed a new deal that greenlit public work projects. So the logic behind this was that if they put people to work on civil improvements, like parks and beaches, it would not only improve the communities, but also mean that thousands of jobs to give workers paychecks which in turn meant that they would go and spend some of that money and jumpstart the economy, which sounds like a good idea. Mm-hmm. So the people that were sent to Key West were artists who were recruited to put Key West on the map as a creative heaven and like basically kind of like an art colony. And in addition to the art projects, the WPA was restoring and cleaning up beaches like Carl's, which meant that suddenly there were hundreds of people all around his pri- his private and peaceful shack. Having that many people made it impossible to use the incubator tank. And to make matters worse, the man in charge of the beach or the cleanup crew had a personal beef with Carl. A personal beef. But if that wasn't bad enough, Carl was about
1: to get kicked while he was down. <clears> huh? <throat> One morning, my walls were shaking by a big explosion. The great concrete pier close to his house had been blown up by them, which made it impossible for him to live there any longer, as his house was no longer protected from the sea. <laughs> so there, after that wall blew up, there goes Carl looking for another
0: out-of-the-way place. Don't wonder how pissed Carl was. The Carl was not, he was like shaking. He was quaking. He was quaking. Literally. Figure, figure, figure it in, Literally. Because, you know, now he had to find another place. This is a small island. There's not that many places that are out of the way. So the search for a new plot of land to Brother Lena's castle was not an easy one. But he did manage to find one about two miles from Old Town, which was perfect considering its seclusion. And this was going to be Lena's fifth postmortem post-embalmed home fifth fifth this is the first time she's been moved around since she died but as soon as things were looking up for carl he was suddenly let go from his job at the hospital (laughs) oh boy and according to a former employee he lost his job to a massive layoff within the hospital you'd think this was a bad thing but it really wasn't because now he had all the time in the world to
1: focus on his beautiful Elena. How much money does this fucker had? He's like, I'm fired, but hey, I have all this time to preserve my dead wife. Well, remember, what? he So
0: he got fired, and he just stayed with Elena. Mm. He needed no reason to go into town. Like, I have, now I have no reason to talk to anybody. No one needs to bother me. I'm not going to bother nobody. And the only communication Carl had with the outside community was with the workers at the post office, where he would go once a month to pick up that check that I mentioned in episode one.
1: Ah, remember of him being, uh, okay.
0: That's, yeah. the, that's, that, that's his only sort of income. And remember, back in episode one, I mentioned that there were rumors about what this check could have been of. One possible source was a pension for his service in the German military during World War One. A fact that he may have tried to hide by making up a life in Australia, which is where we could have gotten the training where he he could have gotten the training to be an extra technician in the German Navy. Another one, another um, possible source was one that Carl claimed and Carl claimed that the check came from a machine shop that he owned in Germany before he came to the United States. But people are like, where'd you get this? Where this money from? Oh, in Germany, I had this successful body shop and you know all this thing. You know, and, and like all this shit. But this doesn't make any sense considering the reason he left Germany was because he was because he was broke and there was nothing going on for him there. And a third possible explanation came from a former coworker who wrote a letter in behalf of Carl to the government of Germany stating that Karl was an impoverished German citizen living in a foreign country. But how likely is that Germany, which was in the middle of a great depression, a uh, very great one, would respond with a monthly check to someone broke in another country when they have millions of people in the same shoe there? It doesn't make any sense why Germany would send Uh, A government check to Carl Who's living in the United States When They need all the money (laughs) Yeah And especially Why am I gonna send you money To the fucking Where you're living in a country That whooped her ass That's the reason That's the reason for us Being in this fucking depression World War II Hmm. And another reason And another theory Is that the monthly checks Could have been just an inheritance If you believe the fact that He was from um, Like a royal family but whatever the reason for this check, it allowed Carl to live peacefully and not worry about money, at least for some time. He lived in the small two-bedroom wooden home, but there was a problem. His power machinery could not be installed in his new home, which meant he could no longer incubate Elena until this problem was fixed. There was no electricity in his new house he moved oh, to. shit. So with Elena exposed to the elements... Carl had to literally fight against natural destruction.
1: In her big bed, covered by double and triple screens all around and waterproof tent above it, she looked comfortable and content just as if she knew. And I am positive she did know that she was lying on her own mattress, on which she had died and was inviting me to her side. I now slept by her side to be close to her and to protect her room from insects and other dangers. Every evening I played organ music for her, and in the morning, when I cooked my breakfast, I carried it into her room and ate in perfect peace and contentment. I always experienced a feeling of harmony and silent happiness, as though an angel was present.
0: He would always eat around Atlanta. That was like the scene where, where he mentioned that he would make his breakfast. He would make two plates,
1: one for him and, and one, one for Atlanta. Atlanta.
0: And he would, and he would, he would just have a little, like a little cheap radio. And he would always have it on. Little music in the background, listening to classical music, eating his eggs. And though he would describe it is like he would be sitting like on his legs, like Indian style. And, you know, just eating, staring at
1: Atlanta, just being in a good-ass mood. That's how crazy this, this is. Like, he was, although for us, we're like, this dude's fucking crazy. But in his world, he was at peace. Finally.
0: Hmm. And it was around this time that Carl claimed the miracle of miracles happened. On July 29th, 1936, Carl woke up like every morning, ready for the day's work, when Elena had finally come back to life. As he looked at her, he noticed the fingers on her right hand were moving and taking her hand in mine, I felt how relaxed and soft she was. Immediately, her whole arm lifted itself up, and her hand pressed firmly against my f- against his face and lips like she used to do before she died. Carl kissed her, and when his lips touched hers, Elena opened her eyes and looked at Carl. Then turning herself on her side toward me, she attempted to get up, but worried that she would fall, Carl spoke to her quietly about how happy he was that she finally, finally awakened
1: From her long sleep I've come to stay with you for a while And keep you company That's what she said to fucking Carl Would've lost my fucking mind
0: Carl pleaded for her to sit down And rest while he makes While he made her some hot beef tea
1: To strengthen her (laughs) And rest Bitch She's been resting for a while What the fuck
0: But after he returned He found her again stiff as ever but still in the same position he had last seen her in. He waited for some time for Elena to reawaken, but she remained motionless, and it was clear to Carl that her miraculous awakening was over. Carl soon was very upset with himself because he felt that he was at fault, and that perhaps this was God's second chance in life for her, but without his proper tools to help her, she was gone, just like the tide. Since there was nothing he could really do, Carl just gathered little blossoms of myrtle and placed them around her head. Kind of like a little crown. Mm-hmm. Insects had begun to eat Elena, so after a bath in her chemicals and perfume, he began to give her another lay of silk and wax. Which is when he discovered that he was out of silk, but just when Carl needed it the most. Elena awoke and came to his rescue. She told him to use the bridal dress she was wearing. It was soiled, but he could just cut those part, cut those pieces out and still have a lot left over. So he did, and after sealing the second layer, her body was ready to be dressed up again. And this time he dressed Elena in a beautiful golden-colored silk dress. Then Elena, who could suddenly now speak German, began to sing. And even though her voice was lovely to Carl, Things were not all peachy with Elena. She was finally starting to lose weight as a result of her body drying out. Slowly shrinking down to 40 pounds, her features were starting to naturally change, with her face becoming distorted when the underlying tissues rotted away, leaving empty spaces in her face as the water evaporated. On the 2nd of March, while working... Carl was obviously distracted with Elena's condition when he fell through the deck frames of a boat he was working on. Unable to lift himself, and having broken several ribs,
1: Carl was paralyzed with pain. My God, what shall become of Elena in the house if I do not, if I do not return, my sweet Elena? I will join you soon. Then I heard her voice say to me, take a deep breath, as deep as you can, expand your chest, and come home. That part where I was like, what the f-
0: Now they have like a psychic connection where he doesn't even have to be around her or near her. That's some some other level shit, bro. But I'm assuming broken ribs are a dick to deal with. But again, just like in the cemetery, he mustered superhuman strength and was not only able to crawl out of the boat, but walk the four miles home.
1: No, after that incident, he had broken ribs. That's how strong this fucking motivation, this power Atlanta has over this dude, man.
0: And then I was reading, I was like, this. I'm like, would that really work? And they're saying like, if we take a deep breath and you hold it as hard as you can, as, like, if you hold it, it will keep your ribs in place, because if you're not walking, you're not. They're not moving. You're still—they're still gonna hurt, but they're not moving, because you're—you're you, expanding your stomach, so the ribs don't have a lot. You know, they're not just shaking everywhere. So mm-hmm. I guess that was like something that actually could help if you break your ribs. Just take a deep breath and expand your stomach where there's not where you don't leave enough movement for them to move around. But hurting and agonizing, he was uncomfortable in every position until Atlanta told him. To lie beside her with his back rested against hers. Only then. He was able to get some sleep. And then. Shit started getting really weird. And fucking scary. If all of this wasn't weird enough. (laughs) For three straight days. From September 11th. To the 13th. In 1940. While asleep. He heard Elena's voice. Anxiously calling to him. Hide me. Hide me somewhere. Then another time, can't you hide me somewhere? Carl confused as fuck. <laughs> he asked her why should he hide her? But she was not saying anything anymore. Mm. And for a while he was thinking of taking her back to her casket. But if he knew if she did this she would not get the air she would need. Then on the fourteenth of September, just before the sun came out, Carl was awakened by Lena's body, trembling all over for a few minutes and he tried to calm down her trembling.
1: Elena, God bless you darling. Are you going to rise? Rise if you must to our Heavenly Father. All of my love will help you on your way.
0: But when he took her hands in his
1: and kissed her lips,
0: her shaking and tremors were gone. Hmm. Yo, in (laughs) that... And Matt, all the... fuck. That's all fuck. That's all fuck. You're in the middle. You're 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 in the, you're, you're trying to sleep. I don't know what's scary. What would be scary if the dead chick you're sleeping with is telling you hide me, hide me, or you wake up and she's like shaking
1: like crazy. <laughs> I think they're both equally scary, but. If I had to choose Feet on Fire, I would pick Hide Me. You're dead asleep, and you hear that bullshit? You got me fucked up. I mean, at this point, that's not going to phase me. I'm sleeping with the dead fucking, you know, I'm sleeping with the corpse. So as time passed,
0: Carl got comfortable and continued to believe his secret was safe. But he was starting to arouse some suspicion. And how could he not? He always bought a thick little soap at a time. He was always buying jewelry. And he bought a ridiculous amount of Elena's favorite perfume. No one knows who. But someone started talking about Carl. And an ugly rumor began to circulate around Key West. Oh boy, here's drama. Most people in Key West laughed it off. But a few were starting to take it seriously. And it was only a matter of time until they reached... Elena's sister, Nana, that her dead sister might not be resting in peace in her mausoleum. And on September 28th, 1940, was one of those days for Carl. So Mario rushed over to Carl's home and just shouted into his room, just shouted at Carl. Elena's tomb has been broken into. Come with us. Carl's life with Elena had been up to this point very private no other living souls were involved but now due to this that they might be discovered anxiety began to take a hold of Carl. Hmm. Arriving at the cemetery he found Elena's sister Nana, Mr. Bethel which is the cemetery manager and Mr. Pritchard the undertaker. Elena's sister immediately insisted that they open the coffin. Obviously Carl not wanting to if he wanted to keep Elena safe and all to himself. So Carl, he disagreed. The undertaker and the manager tried to assure Nana that all was well in the tomb. That yes, someone broke in, but the inner coffin had not been opened. They were obviously not trying to open the casket of a woman who had been unmolested for nine years. At this point, Elena had been dead for nine years. How many years? Nine. Nine fucking years. And he had been with her for uh, the better half of seven. Nana was momentarily satisfied. And Carl was relieved that he, that he had at least, for now, been able to guard his secret. Carl went back home and told Elena of her sister's behavior. He went back like a gossip to his sister and went like, You would not believe the day I just had. And like, he went off on, on Nana to uh, Elena. So on October 1st, Mario returned. And told Carl that he needed to go back to the cemetery. Oh boy. This time there was a crowd. And Nana got up in Carl's face. And told him to open up the coffin. Oh boy. Through Carl's eyes. Nana was being selfish. Not allowing his love to continue. (laughs) But through a normal person's eyes. Nana was slowly dying from tuberculosis. And she was just worried about her younger sister. And was concerned about the eternal peace of Elena Elena spoke again but this time she was more worried and less angry all she wanted was for Carl to open the tomb so she can see for herself that her sister was resting in peace
1: so she had a she had a feeling well remember the rumors started going around
0: and she's like you know what it makes sense this creepy motherfucker he was in love with my sister I was trying to marry her I wouldn't put it past this fuck and she was dying for tuberculosis. She's like, you know what? I just want to make sure my sis- my little sister, she's she's not she's where she's supposed to be. So Carl said, "Fuck it. You want to see Elena? We can go see Elena." So he invited her back to his house. Hmm. <laughs> when going inside his rooms, Nana stayed back near the door while her Mar- while her
1: husband Mario. Came
0: along to see Elena's bed. Come here,
1: Nana, and see how beautiful Elena's resting in her bed in the silken garments and all her jewelry.
0: As she came into the room and alongside of the bed, she lifted the curtains and there she was, her baby sister Elena. Nana couldn't believe her eyes and refused to accept that this patchwork body was her baby sister. She gripped Mario's arms and said that they needed to get out of there. She felt sick, but wanted her to go back to the cemetery to open up the coffin. They both went to the car, but before getting away, Donna called to Carl. I want you to put Lena back into the vault, but I want to be present to see that she lies in the coffin. Do you hear?
1: You never looked after her for the past nine years. She has been under my care all these years. I have paid for all her expenses, not you. You forgot that I own that tomb with everything inside, not you. So she
0: flabbergasted, insulted, and I was like, "Oh, she can't say anything." She's like, "Fuck," and she fucked off. She fucked off. But for the next five days, Carl sat alone with his dead love, wondering what was going to happen, hoping that they would be able to stay together. And finally, on October fifth. A motorcycle headed by two sheriffs followed the funeral car and several other cars stopped in front of Carl's home. As he opened the screen door, the sheriff presents Carl with a warrant charging him with being in possession of a dead body. After seeing the body in bed, the police asked if it was true that he's had the body in his possession for over seven years. And this is the conversation the cop, <coughs> the sheriff, and Carl had. The cop walked up to Carl and was in, and asked, And who is she? She is my bride.
1: Elena Hoyos.
0: Do you have a certificate for the body?
1: Yes, I have. Here.
0: This is her death. This is her certificate of death. This isn't the certificate we need.
1: I don't know of any other certificate required for the dead.
0: I'm sorry, but we have to take you to the courthouse and explain everything to the court. Oh, boy. So Carl followed the sheriffs into the car where he noticed the funeral car driving up and two attendants stepping to the door.
1: They carried it out before putting her in the car. There is no security for my house. I protest against violations of my rights.
0: And the sheriff responded with, we are having the body placed in the funeral home where it is safer until your case is settled. Then you may get it back. I will make sure that nothing is removed. I will lock the doors and bring you the keys. So for the last time, Carl looked over his shoulders at Elena, And he caught a glimpse of her face as the man solemnly slid the body casket into the black hearse. And that is where we'll end part two
1: of our Carl Tanzler series. Motherfucker, dude. Separated. How crazy is Carr gonna get after this, huh? We have to find out.
0: And then, as as, you know, are are we gonna find out in the next episode on our on our finale that people at Key West are split? They're split with what's going on
1: (laughs) between the the story, yeah, between the story, yeah,
0: yeah. She has fans. We're gonna find out he has groupies, they show up to the prison, they're like, We think it's so romantic. Yeah. We 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 think it's so romantic what you're doing. They're giving them money, they're giving them a bunch of shit. A lot of girls in you know in Key West, they think it's romantic. All the dudes are like, Man, fuck his asshole. <laughs> <coughs> all the wives are like, see, see, this, look at this motherfucker's doing and she's dead. She, yep. She's been dead for nine fucking years. She wasn't even his wife. So like he's all the guys are like, Man, fuck Carl. They're doing all this shit. But it's it's crazy. It's crazy how it's starting to split, but this is where shit hit the f- this is where shit hits the fan, and this is the first time in nine years that he's going to be separated from Elena. Because yeah. even though the first, remember, he was with her for seven years straight, seven years straight. But the first year and a half, even though she was in the mausoleum, he was always with her after work, daily. So it was after nine years. It's going to be the first time they're going to spend time apart. And I wonder what's gonna happen. I wonder if she's gonna be able to still visit him. So this this may be
1: the final goodbye between Elena and Carl.
0: So I hope you guys are enjoying this series. This this episode kind of, if it didn't, it kind of it kind of like not swayed you because you were never in, in for like Carl, but you're like episode one. You could see the motivation. You could see the you know like the love he had for episode you're like all right i
1: can't justify any of the shit he's doing now like, and yeah, now it's like all right this guy's fucking delusional but there's still that uh, i don't know
0: so i hope you guys are enjoying the series i'm enjoying the living shit out of it we have one more episode and then we're gonna be done hopefully for part three obi um renee will join us he couldn't join us this week um uh, because we changed the date due to some things happening and um he had to go out of town so he couldn't record with us and um, but I hope you guys um, add us on Instagram, Weird the Weird History e Tales Pod, so you guys could um, see what we see what we post, see the pictures we post. If you guys can and are able to, please rate and subscribe on iTunes. It really helps the show. It helps the show grow. Um, you guys can find us on Spotify again. The Weird History e Tales Pod. A lot of people think it's and. The Weird History and E-Retails. Now it's just the Weird History, E-Retails Pod. You can find us on Spotify there. Um, we're we're still in the talks. We're getting closer and closer to getting merch. We're probably gonna put two shirts out at the same time. They're gonna be obviously gonna be pre-orders, cause we don't wanna make too much and then not, like only two people buy it. Mm-hmm. But that's you know, what and um, all about. one of the yeah. So that's what's gonna happen. So keep that up, you guys. Could uh, keep up to, keep up to date with us. On Instagram, the Weird History Here tells Pod, and again, the source for this episode is called Undying Love by Ben Harrison, which is the narrative, which is the story of the thing. And then, if you want to read the story in Carl's own words, the story is called The Last Diary of Count Van kozo A True Twisted Tale of Love After Death. And you can find both of these links on the show notes, or you can buy them on Amazon. They're like fifteen bucks. They are an amazing read. I'm leaving so much out. One of the things I left out was the two years they spent in the beach. So much, so much happened at the beach. But I'm like, it's interesting, but it like it's not gonna it, it's not gonna further the story. So I'm just so I just gave you guys the important parts. But it's been nine years that seven years that he lived with Atlanta, and two of those were in that beach.
1: Yeah, and uh, if you do like this story, and you want to. Read more about it. I highly recommend the Lost Diary of Count von Castle because it 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 goes into detail of what he experienced, and um and yeah.
0: So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. This episode is gonna be a little It's gonna be a few days late. Apologize for that, but I hope you guys enjoy it. And if don't one has anything else, oh and um for all our lists, all our Android listeners, remember. We have one more month before we take off all the episodes off of Google Play. Google Play. And if you guys are bummed about that, please check out Spotify. It's free. It's free. You don't have to do it. And if not, someone actually gave us a good, um, someone actually gave us a good, some good advice. Say, so why don't you guys just put your episodes up on, on YouTube? Yeah. So you guys can listen to it on YouTube. And we're going to look into that, having, you know, doing a YouTube channel. I know there's been some people, some people. They keep asking us to make a YouTube channel, but we just don't have the time—not yet, not yet, not yet. But you know, we're getting there. And sorry for missing your D and D live stream. You know who I'm talking to. So again, mm-hmm. um, will that I that YouTube thing might be a good idea
1: just to post our episodes up. Post yeah, them up. I've been told, but I thought they expected like live. I mean, not live, but actual like content recording
0: of us. I would... I was actually thinking of having, where you guys could see us recording. Yeah. But most of our episodes are scripted. Why would you guys want to see us script? You know, kind of like reading. You know
1: what I mean? Yeah. So, I don't know how it's going to work. We'll, we'll, I we'll brainstorm. We'll brainstorm. We'll do, we'll do some out. stuff. Yeah. We have to grow s- somehow. So, again. Some way.
0: Add us on Instagram. Weird History. every retail Pod. Add us on Spotify. The Weird History. Eerie Tells Podcast. Rate and review us on iTunes. That helps the show a lot. Um, so thank you guys. And as always, we are the Weird History.
1: Eerie tells pod. Thank you for listening.